This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, I'm glad you're, glad you're here, glad that we're able to be a part of, of where you are, um, that we can all be together and uh, worship the Lord. You know, um, I, 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 I truly do count it as um, a wonderful thing that you would choose to take time to say, God, you're this important to me that I'm going to take time out of my life and set it aside to have a ritual, to have a rhythm in my life to meet with you. Um, whether it's coming together in this space or online and saying, like, I'm going to dedicate time to do this. And I really do count that as an honor to the Lord. And so it's just great to have you here um, and be a part this morning. Um, I, as I was preparing for this week, I, I found myself um, caught up in something. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but have you ever found yourself um, really and you're in the midst of doing something that's absolutely meaningless. Has that ever happened for you before? Uh, I, I, I <laughs> just saw a look on someone's face like, absolutely. Uh, I found myself in a spot like I, I was just, I awakened myself realizing that I was one time just doing this. And it came to me like, what have I been doing and how long have I been doing that? Like how long have I literally been sitting here doing that? And it just dawned on me, like, I've spent so much time, I'm sitting on YouTube, not even watching something on YouTube, I'm spending time just scrolling through, trying to find something to watch. I mean, like, how much of my life is wasted on actually just finding something to watch? Have you considered that before? You know, I, I actually looked this up. I was just intrigued to find out, like, what does this mean? What do Americans do? How much time do they spend looking for something? Now, hoping, like, I'm not alone in this. Is anybody, yeah, everybody else? Flip the phone. Okay, so I'm talking to, yes, you can, I see that hand even online. Just, it happens to us. So, so here's the deal. There's a report that came out, and it told us how much time we spend scrolling through, if, if you're like a Netflix person, a, a Hulu Plus, or Disney, Disney Plus, one of those movie sites where you're looking for something, a Prime. Um, any guesses how, many, how much time we take not watching something, just trying to find something? Any guesses? 20 minutes? Two, two hours a week? Is that what I heard? Two hours a week? Okay. Anyone else? Online, I want to encourage you, go ahead and type in the chat what you might think it would be. Anybody else want to offer a guess? What's that? Anyone else? An hour. An hour. An hour. An hour. Just trying to find something online. You want to know what, what the study concluded? It concluded, the report said that the amount of time we spend just trying to find a movie to watch, just sitting there looking. We spend seven minutes on average, the American does, technically 7.4, but that, didn't, that would look kind of odd on there. 7.4 minutes, which means that the average American spends 45 hours per year choosing, simply choosing what we're going to watch. That's kind of crazy. But here's what's even crazier. If you happen to be um, uh, uh, an armchair quarterback, if you happen to be a person who watches t- TV and that's your mode of, of watching things and you know, you're flipping through to find something, did you know that in 2016 there was a study that came out that tells us how long people are actually just flipping through trying to find something? The average American watcher in the U.S. spends, catch this, 23 minutes per day just flipping through, which works out for about, if you live to be 80 years old, about one year of your life is spent just doing this, 
one year. 1.3 is actually the number, years of your life. And get this, that was in 2016, before the pandemic. So can you imagine what that number is now? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, all of us, I mean, whether it's, it's flipping through the phone or whatever, we can all find ourselves caught up in something that can feel, when we think about it, a little bit meaningless, right? And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and talk through what might be meaningless to you, because I'm, I'm sure what was meaningless to me might be meaningful to you, right? And so we might talk about that differently. So I don't want to go through and, and, like, talk about different ways that that might be. I mean, for instance, like, you know, watching a Seahawks game for the first three quarters. I mean, some might call that meaningless. Um, um, some might. I'm not saying that I would. I'm just saying what's the point. But we all have different things that we, we get caught up in. The reason, the reason I bring this up is this. We're in this series called I Am. And throughout this series, if you just join us for the first time, we've been in this series for seven weeks now. And over the course of these seven weeks, we've been taking a look at, at what Jesus has to say, because you, you probably know this, there are so many different voices out there that are talking about who Jesus is, right? I mean, you don't have to go very far. You can turn on your phone, and right there, there's, there's conversations about who people think Jesus is. And so for us, we were thought, like, what would it be like to actually pull back and ask the question, Jesus, who do you say you are? Like, can you talk about who you are? And we listen to that instead. And so we've been in this series over these past seven, six weeks. We're on the seventh today, and it's the final of the I am's that Jesus has to say about himself because we think it's really important that Jesus gets to have the final say on who he is so that you can make a decision about what he has to say as to whether you're going to follow him and honor him or not. You know, this is such an important thing for us to engage. I mean, can you imagine being at the end of your life and you get to the end and you, as you reflect over your life, I think one of the last things, places we want to be is thinking, wow, I wasted my life on something that was meaningless. I don't think any of us want to be there. I think, in fact, instead, we all want to be in a spot where we get to the end and we're saying, my life was filled full of meaning. It was full of hope. I was connected to something that actually made a difference in this world. I think that's the way we want to live our lives. And I think that's the way that the disciples found themselves. These guys who were following Jesus, I think that's why they gave up their fishing jobs and joined Jesus, because they wanted to experience a meaningfulness in their life that they hadn't experienced before. And so they found themselves hanging out with Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but um, Around 2,000 years ago, on the other side of the globe, if you're in the U.S., if you happen to be someplace else in the world, it might not be. But in Jerusalem, about 2,000 years ago, there was a temple. And that temple, was an, it was just, it was so intricate. And the way, the way that the Israelites and the people of that time made temples, there was so much meaning and, and symbolism and, and just the grandeur and the beauty of the things, the way that they made things. Things of gold and silver and bronze. It was just beautiful the way that they, they, they invested in their temple. And one of the things, if, if you happen to be walking through the temple, one of the things that you would see are, are these huge columns. And on these columns, there would be these vines that were wrapping around the columns, and it would wrap up above, and then it would wrap down to the bottom, these vines with grape clusters on them. These vines and these columns were right in front of a door that would be the entrance into what the people understood to be the presence of God. Those vines were there. And those vines, when people saw them, it told a story. They saw the vines and it connected with them the story of the people of Israel, in fact. 
And the way that the story of the people of Israel goes is, well, there's a psalmist who gives us a sneak peek into how it began. And what the psalmist says is this. It says, you brought us up from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. The psalmist tries to capture the way in which God was intervening with his people. He called, it was like, they were like a grapevine. And it was like God took them out of Egypt, transplanted them, and placed them in Jerusalem, a land that he had in store for them, that he had planned for them. And when he planted them there, what we see throughout the arc of Scripture, if we start from the beginning of Israel's history and watch it go all the way through with, with God being involved, is what we see is that God transplanted them out and put them into that good soil, Jerusalem. He tended carefully, and what God did is he looked for fruit out of that vine called Israel. But after looking, he didn't find any. And so in the, and given that he didn't find any, he brought them to a place where they were going to experience judgment. And that judgment is something, as we look throughout scripture, we see Isaiah talking about this. And Isaiah, and this is God speaking, he says, now let me tell you what I will do with my vineyard. There it is again. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. He's speaking of Israel. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. This God was on the lookout for something out of these people, but he didn't find it. And so you see, when people came to that temple and they were coming to the place to worship God and they saw those vines, those vines meant something to them. It told the story of a people that God had intended to bear the fruit of the world, that the world might see who God is, but instead they chose to reject them. They spoke of a nation who turned their back on a holy God to chase after worthless, worthless idols. They spoke of a people who were meant to be missionaries to the surrounding nations, but instead they wasted their time and their energy on worshiping those false and meaningless gods. I wonder today if any of them would find themselves in places just flipping through. The meaninglessness of it all. Last week, Tom shared a message about one of the things that Jesus said to his disciples. It was one of the final times that they were going to be together, and Jesus knew it. And so he helped them know, helped them understand where he was headed and what was going on, and so he let them know, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And as they're sitting together at this meal, and they're having conversation, they enjoy, Jesus knew it would be his last time eating with them, and so they eat their meal together. And after they're all done, Jesus gets up and he says, come on guys, let's go. And so indeed, they get up and they go. They head out from that place. Now for me, the next time that Jesus speaks, I've always assumed that Jesus was in a vineyard. I always assumed that was a spot where we'd find him speaking next. 
But as I've been kind of studying this and taking a look at what scholars have to say, they said likely he didn't find himself in a vineyard. And if you want to, you can turn to to John chapter 15 because that's what we're gonna be looking at. Those are the words that I'm talking about. But he didn't find himself in a vineyard likely. It's more likely that on his way to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus found himself is walking through Jerusalem, walking through where the temple would be, and on his way, it's likely that he stopped in front of those columns with the vines. It's likely he stopped right in the place that would be the entrance to his father's house. Imagine Jesus standing there with his disciples in this moment, and imagine now the words that he has to say to them next. He says this in John chapter 15. Hey guys, I want you to understand something. I, I am the true grapevine. I'm the true grapevine. And my father, he, he's the gardener. Think about this. These disciples who understood the story of God. When they saw these vines, they understood what was going on. But Jesus is standing in this place and saying, you you see these vines that are going on, and they tell a story about the nation of Israel. But I'm letting you know, I, I'm the true vine. Jesus is doing something so profound here that it's so easy to miss if we don't understand the context. Jesus, once again, as he does with all of these I am statements, is declaring that he is God. God in the very beginning, when he's talking to Moses, and Moses says, who should I say sent me? God said, I am. And Jesus declares that once again, I am. But then he goes on to describe what this might look like. I am the true grapevine. And he wants them to understand some things. To understand that it would be through him that God's missionary heart to call all people to himself would happen. You see, Jesus would finish what God started with Israel and bear the fruit that Israel didn't. Jesus would be the one that would usher in a kingdom so attractive, so loving, and so just that the surrounding nations would be in awe and they would want in. You see, God had a plan in mind when he transplanted Israel to that place, but they didn't do it. And so Jesus is stepping into that moment and saying, what they didn't finish, I'm going to. I am the true vine. And after Jesus talks about this, he starts to describe what this gardener is going to do, how he's going to treat these these plants. And so then he starts to clarify our role, and so we skip down to John chapter 15, verses five and six, and he starts to help us us understand these disciples that were there, understand this is what this relationship looks like. And so he says this, hey, so just so you understand, I'm the vine, but you, disciples, you gather together if, if you're a believer in Jesus. You're the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now I know that sometimes um, we can be reading the text and things can be really confusing. I know that sometimes and we kind of get in the passage like, what does that mean? How do we figure this out? Um, any, any gardeners in here? 
Any gardeners? I see, I saw one nod, yes. Okay, yeah, so, so some of us garden, yeah. Any, any people say, like, I dabble with gardening things? That's maybe more, okay, that's like, yeah, that's where I'm at, right? Yeah, so, so um, and maybe for those of you online, maybe you're gardeners too, you can put that in the chat. I know that um, for me, I, I, I fancy myself a gardener. Um, I like to use the word that at this time of year. I like, hey, hun, I'm bringing in the harvest of uh, whatever it is that I, I planted. But this year, I took a break. This year, um, I, I decided I'm going to let the, the, the land go fallow. I just want to be biblical. And after seven years, no, it's not that. I just like, no, really what it is, I just like, I'm way too busy. And I don't have time for the garden this year. So it just, it just took a year off. And, um, and that's just kind of the way that it went this year. Um, but you don't need to be a, a gardener. You can just walk by a plant, walk by a tree. And what Jesus is saying, it makes sense. Like you, you can get that just by looking at it. It's not deep insight here. He's making it clear. Hey, I'm the vine. In other words, I'm the source of life. If you're looking for meaning, I'm the place you find it. Which means, and if you are the branches, that means you can't have any life apart from me. You are dependent on me. Let's just make that really clear. And I also want to make it really clear is that if you're not connected to me, you get cut off and you will experience judgment as a result. Now, I, I told you that I did take the, the year off, and I was committed to it, and I was very committed to it. I, I, it was awesome. I did not touch my yard very much this year at all. And so um, it got to the point that I actually have a little grapevine trellis on the side of our yard. It was between our house and the, and the neighbors, and, and one of the poles um, was actually starting to fall over. It was just, the bottom had rotted out, and so it was just starting to fall. And over the course of the summer, it just kept doing this, just tilting over more and more and more. My neighbor came out one time in the middle of summer. He's like, hey, Mario, do you know that your, your trellis, your pole's falling? And I said, yep, and I am committed to a year of not gardening, so I'm not touching it. And so, so it just, it's like, all right, dude, whatever. And so it just continued to fall. And eventually, like, it, it fell to a spot where it was about to hit the ground. So I decided, you know, given that it's going to rain, it started, it's finally starting to rain this week. Last week, I finally went out and started to take care of it. And I put back up the pole, and after 30 million trips to Home Depot, got it back up again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So um, got it back up. But the deal was, was in order to even start to work on this thing, that meant that I had to actually start to cut away some of the branches in order to get to it. And the branches started to pile up on the side. Any guesses what I did with those branches? Burn? No, I didn't burn them. The burn band's on. I didn't burn them. I mean, come on. I'm a, I'm a good citizen. I didn't burn them. I, had a, I have a yard waste bin. And I tossed them into, you were trying to catch me, I know that. I, I, I put them into the yard waste bin. Like, I wasn't going to graft them back in. I was done with them. I, I put them in a pile, and I, and I, bur- I didn't burn them. I put them in the yard waste bin. <laughs> I put them in the yard waste bin, of course, right? They weren't able to be used. And so Jesus is making some things very clear here. One, I'm the vine, you're the branches. That's the way this relationship works. And two, it's really important for you, you might want to consider avoiding judgment. Like, that's not a good way to live life. But even more than this idea of avoiding judgment, Jesus is not just calling us to avoid something. What I love about the God that we serve is he's always calling us to something, calling us to be a certain people, calling us to live a certain way. And that's exactly what he starts to do as he continues to unpack the rest of this. He says this in verse seven, he says, but, and I just wanna say this before I jump in, 
If, if you're new to the Bible, or you're just trying to figure out how to study the Bible more, I, I wanna encourage you to do this. Be on the lookout for when words repeat themselves. Likely when words repeat themselves and they come up over and over again, that usually means they're significant. And so here we are. See if you can see what it is. Jesus says, but if you, what is the word? Remain in me and my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father, continues on. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So do what? Remain, Remain in me, my love. When you obey my commandments, here it is again, you, Remain. you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And so did you catch it? Jesus has something that he wants to say to his disciples in this moment. And what's really interesting about this is that Jesus has a primary call. His primary call is not to avoid judgment, although I would suggest that's a, that's a wise move, avoid judgment. His primary call is not even to bear fruit, which is something that any time I've read this passage or spoken this passage before, I've always centered in on the idea that we are called to bear fruit. But that's not Jesus' primary purpose in this passage. His primary calling is that simple word that we've said over and over again. The calling is to remain. Now, I don't know about you, um, but when I hear the word remain, it sounds nice, but what in the world does that mean, right? I mean, does that mean to kind of sit in the lotus position and do the own thing? I mean, I mean what does is, what is remaining even look like? I mean, maybe if you want to be more biblical, I mean, is it, is it if you know the story of Martha and Mary, Mary was the one who sat at Jesus' feet, right? Is that what it means to remain? But I want to suggest to you, let's go back to that night when Jesus is speaking. Remember who he's talking to? He's talking to the disciples, these disciples weren't guys who Jesus came over to their house for an hour and after spending some time with them, he headed back off. These guys lived a different way with Jesus and Jesus is saying, whatever that is, I want you to continue to do that. And so Jesus, this is where this kind of vine branch analogy, this idea of just sitting there and remaining, kind of like a branch that just sits there and remains on a vine, that's where it kind of comes to an end. Jesus knows that he has to unpack what it means to, be, to remain. And so he goes on and he says this, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. If you wanna know what it looks like to remain, then we gotta look at Jesus. And what Jesus is making clear is that remaining in him, catch this, is less about passively sitting at Jesus' feet and more about a consistent heart of devotion that actively lives a life of obedience to his word. It's about a life that, a heartbeat that says, yes, God, I'm about you. I'm consistently about you, and I'm actively living out, and I'm hearing your word, and I'm obeying it. St. Augustine says it in this way, and I kind of paraphrase it because there was a lot of these and thous and thuses in it, and I thought you wouldn't want to hear those, so I'm giving you this version. It says, it's as if Jesus said, don't think that you can remain in my love if you don't keep my commandments. 
because remaining only happens if you have kept my commandments. In other words, it will be made apparent that you remain in my love if you keep my commandments. So don't deceive yourselves by saying that you love him if you don't keep his commandments. You see, we love him to the same degree as we keep his commandments. And the less we keep them, the less we love. That's a profound statement. You see, Jesus wants to make it clear about how it is that we're supposed to be in relationship. Between us and the Father, what obedience looks like. You see, it's because Jesus loved the Father that he obeyed the Father. Jesus didn't obey the Father to gain the Father's love. Jesus knew that he was already loved by the Father, and so he obeyed him. And so this begs some questions that I want to move us towards as we're preparing to close this morning. First question is this. Are you listening to God's word? Do you know his commandments? Do you even know what they are? If not, the starting place is this, get in God's word. If you don't have a Bible, we have one here for you. If you don't like paper, I encourage you, download the YouVersion app. You've gotta be in a place in which you're taking in God's word, so know his commandments. But then there's, of course, there's a follow-up question, isn't it? The question is, Will you obey the things that you hear? Will you obey the things that you read? And I don't know about you, but I find it so much more doable to be in a spot where I'm constantly, consistently living out this life of Christ when I'm not doing it alone. And so that's why you do hear us talk about being in a group so often because when you find yourself with a group of people who are moving towards Jesus together, there's this ability to challenge and call one another to life. To say like, how are you doing with reading the scripture? How are you doing in your life? What's your relationship like with your wife, with your husband, with your friends? Are you living out, are you consistently living out this life of Jesus? That's why we talk about groups so much. So maybe for you, one, to choose to obey, two, to find yourself in community where you can live that out together, where you can challenge one another in that. And so as we prepare to close this whole series on I Am, I just want us to consider God's heartbeat for humanity. God's heartbeat was that all people would be drawn to him. God's heartbeat was one in which he would plant a people, a nation, a kingdom of people who would bear the fruit of who Christ is in the world in such a way that the people would see the fruit and they would come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And they would want to be a part of that faith community, a part of that kingdom, a part of that nation that is honoring God. Israel didn't do it. Jesus fulfilled it. He is now the vine, and we are the branches. It's through the life of God, the life of Christ being lived through us, that fruit should be born so that the world would see and taste and see that the Lord is good. That's God's heartbeat from the very beginning of Scripture, and He will fulfill it. The question is, will we be a part of it? We all have a choice, don't we? And so as I was thinking about our time together in which we'll respond, I was just thinking about 
places that we might be. And I just wondered, are you like the branch that is withered and cut off because of obedience, disobedience? See, the good news is this, if you are, the gardener knows how to graft you back in. He knows how to connect you. Are you like the branch that's bearing no fruit? Maybe you have, you're filled full of leaves. Maybe you're doing a ton of stuff, but none of it has the fruit of the kingdom connected to it. It's good, but it's not kingdom fruit. If so, the question becomes, what needs to adjust in your life so that you can start? I know that's the spot where I struggle the most. I do lots of stuff. How often is it kingdom stuff, though? That's the question that we have to wrestle with. For some of you, I wonder, are you like a branch that is actually bearing fruit? If so, I say, well done. Keep after it. And I want to encourage you to, to challenge you to go a step further that you wouldn't just be winning souls, but that you would be discipling people so that their lives would also bear fruit. Not just about you winning them to Jesus, but that their lives would bear fruit as well. But then I was also wondering that maybe some of us, you would say, you know what, Mario? I'm actually more like a person who's looking at that fruit this morning. I'm not a branch. I'm looking at the fruit and I'm hearing that there's a God who actually loves me. A God who is pursuing me and who wants relationship with me. I'm tasting that fruit this morning and I'm saying I want in. I want to be connected. I want to be whatever you're calling it, a branch. I want that. And if that's you, I want you to know that God honors your heart and he is ready to graft you into his kingdom right here and right now. Today is your day. And so I'm gonna pray for us all in just a moment, wherever we might find ourselves in the story. And for you, if you're in a spot in which you're saying yes to Jesus, you're saying, I want in, I wanna be connected, I wanna be a part of the family, I'm gonna ask you to do this. There's a number, the same number that, number that we use so often. It's coming up underneath me, and you'll see the word today because today is a day that you're making a choice to follow Jesus. And whether it's in here, you might be pulling out your phone and texting in the word today. We want to be able to have the next conversation with you if you're saying, yes, I choose to follow him. We want to be able to have that conversation. So when you do, you text in the word today, we'll respond. One of the pastors, one of the team will get back to you and help you start on this journey. I want to invite you to that. So wherever we, wherever we are, online, right here, let's just take a moment and offer our hearts to the Lord, fresh and anew. God, we do indeed come before you this morning thanking you for sending your son. And Jesus, we are so grateful that you stepped into that place to finish what we could not, to usher in what we were as a people called to usher in, but in our own strength, we weren't able to do. And so you stepped in. We thank you that you indeed are the true vine who offers, who's pulsating the energies of you, giving life wherever people will receive it. Lord, some of us in this place and online as we're gathered, as you survey our hearts, we're recognizing that we're, some are like that disobedient branch we're on the cusp of being cut off, or maybe we have been cut off. 
and we want to be grafted back in. We want to come back to you. We want to be obedient to you. Whatever that might mean to us this morning, we're saying we're choosing to return to you. Some of us, Lord, as we just wrestle through the reality that we're caught up in a bunch of stuff, but none of them is kingdom-minded. We hear you, Holy Spirit, speaking to our hearts about the adjustments we need to make. Grant us the courage, Lord, to make those adjustments. We say yes to you. Father, I pray that you'll be found working in our hearts and lives, all of us, to be reproducing the life that you placed inside of us to be discipling the people that you've placed in front of us, that they may know and their lives would reproduce as well, that we would be a part of being the branches to do your dream of seeing people drawn to you. And Lord, some of us are saying that today is the day. Today is the day in which I have tasted and I've seen, and I'm saying I wanna be a part of your kingdom. I wanna be a part of your family. I need your salvation. You are the source of life. I'm done living in meaninglessness. Today, this moment, I choose you. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you all that I am. Come in and be my God and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I choose you. If that's a prayer that you're praying, no that God is answering that prayer right now. And all across this room and online, Father, we lift up our hearts to you and pray that you would have your way in our hearts and lives, that you would do the work that you want to do through us so that indeed the world would know that you are God who is good, that you are drawing all people to yourself. We pray and ask and declare this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.